This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Sit back and enjoy. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. I'm your host, Arjit. And today with me, uh, I have a recurring uh, guest on our podcast, Leah from Germany. Hi. Hello, Leah. Welcome Hi. to the podcast. And as always, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, it's been a few, few days between uh, episodes, I dare say a couple of weeks, because well, once IPL stopped, this was a window that was sort of kept for IPL, more or less. And once IPL stopped, there was not a lot of cricket. So we also decided to take a little bit of a break heading into what I hope to be a very hectic summer. Well, some good news. I'll probably say what how things are in the Netherlands to begin with, because here um, the numbers are on the wane and uh, the government is starting to take some positive steps when it comes to, let's say, uh, increasing the amount of freedom the public has. So... The good, good news is, well, yesterday it was announced that we are allowed to play among ourselves in cricket clubs as adults. So this is for people who are 18 and above. And people who are 18 and below can already, for a few weeks, can they play among themselves. But, well, the good news is, in a couple of weeks, I even expect the youth uh, tournaments organized by KNCB might start. And, of course, that also means, you know, it sets a precedent that maybe in three to four weeks' time, the adult leagues might also start off. So we are really, really excited for our, from our club and from within, you know, Netherlands possibilities. So first of all, the top class has started. The top class cricket, which is deemed as uh, the highest level of sport in the country, this has already started. They're already in their sixth or seventh round, if I'm not wrong. And you can actually see it streaming live. I don't know if you know this pitch vision sort of a technology. So it's, it's probably a immobile camera, but it's sort of di- directly broadcasting the game from the pitch view, pitch side. So it's very nice. If you are a fan of uh, cricket in the Netherlands, there's something's beginning. And I hear, uh, you know, maybe good things also will happen in Germany. How are things there? Uh, things, are, things are looking up in Germany. And um, we have also had uh, cricket already here in Germany in uh, Krefeld. They uh, played a T10 tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, well, let's hope that uh, the European Cricket Network uh, can also organize some T20s proper. In that case, you know, we really hope there is more and more cricket on this continent in the upcoming uh, weeks, months and years, right? To, but to kick off upcoming weeks, we already see there are some uh, T20s yes. being played among mm-hmm. Austria, Czech Republic, right? Other countries. And uh, that's that's always great to see. And more people that are getting interested in the sport, it's all the, you know, all the more better. Because recently I was uh, doing some reading and the the top class started later, but the host class in the Netherlands started as far back as 1884. So in our country, uh, in Netherlands at least, there's such a lot of organized cricket for such a long time. And many of my colleagues were really surprised when I told them Netherlands are 11th in the world rankings in ODI. So 
that was also a nice surprise but i mean all this comes courtesy of a uh, quiz i had organized and yes. of course there had to be one mandatory cricket question right they were not happy yeah i mean in germany it's the same people don't know that cricket has been played in germany for a very long time um the german um fußballverband the deutsche fußballbund was originally founded as a as an association for cricket and football okay they don't care about cricket anymore so now we got the deutsche cricketbund all right so if you were to take a look at the cricket that was happening in the last period so the international cricket there were uh, these uh, odi series between bangladesh and sri lanka i mean a while back there was also the test with pakistan but you know that's so far back that we'll probably leave it on the side yeah and in this case um well the odis were pretty exciting because uh, first of all for us cricket fans uh, i mean i'm i'm sure same as me uh, you are also following the ongoing county championships because it's being broadcast live on youtube which i'm uh, high quality yes. cricketing uh, commentary and you know very high quality coverage coverage isn't it yes it it is actually amazing to be able to watch a full first class game legally in germany well from that we really hope it takes off there's more cricket available legally on uh, german tv or german different channels so a lot to look yeah. forward to i guess yes absolutely coming back to the odi series so the first odi look all three odis were held in uh, dhaka well it, it it's a nice large stadium i see and of course it's a very tough stadium to chase because apparently in the last 3 to 4 years when you look at it 240 batting first is a very reasonable score there be it a day game or a day night game that's more or less what transpired because in the first game bangladesh batted they put 27 on board well they they at some point i looked good for a lot more but then um, you know this pitch yes. slows down apparently so as you go on so it's always advantage to uh, win the toss and bat first and it continues to slow slow down as the day goes on and of course the spinners come into it right towards the end of the day so batting first in the first odi tamim iqbal made up sluggish 52 but then in the context of the game that was a good innings but then yes. the whole middle order sort of contributed so mushfiqur rahim made 84 mahmudullah 54 and then towards the end afif hussain and uh, mohammad saifuddin sort of finished it off quickly and that means you know 257 was a competitive sort of a score so by the way this sri lankan team is a sort of a young team because they are led by uh, kusal perera the newly appointed skipper and interestingly the selection panel has done away with a bunch of seniors no chandimal no matthews yes this is a new uh, let's say new frontier for sri lankan cricket because they'll have a chance to play their cricket in a new way under new leadership right and some of these people who've been in the setup for a couple of years already people like kusal perera kusal mendes dhananjay de silva these people are now sort of being encouraged to stand up for themselves and for sri lanka so if you look at their recent uh, shake up when it comes to the contracting structure and other things as well some of these youngsters are rewarded while you know some of the older wizened heads have you know not received the same kind of uh, remuneration they probably did previously this is a clear direction the new sri lankan let's say cricket board is taking so there's tom moody who's the new director of cricket in sri lanka i think he's bringing some <clears throat> revolutionary ideas as far as they are concerned and of course arvind de silva has been put in charge of a technical committee so these are the people that came up with these decisions and based on that a team has been chosen great and you know what this team may have lost the series 
the Sri Lankan team lost. But what we saw in at least glimpses looked very promising because at least in the first ODI they started okay, but none of the really? middle order really contributed much. So Patum Nisanka in in three uh, from Patum Nisanka in three to let's say Dasun Shanaka at six uh, or seven even they didn't really make a whole lot of contributions. And well, Kusal Mendes look, I really like him as a player. He has this big match temperament. He's won test matches, I remember, scoring big runs in the third innings. But then somehow, again, here, I think he let himself down. Because in this entire series, he didn't make any contribution uh, in terms of a big score. right? So for a, such a talented guy, he somehow gets stuck in the 20s and 25s, and then he's dismissed. We see this time and again, the same thing happened in this entire tournament. But then uh, there was a bit of sting in the tail for Sri Lanka, because one Indu Hasaranga and uh, Isuru Dana did not give it up. I mean, probably... So the result was probably clear, but they wanted to get as close as possible to give themselves a chance. That's really nice to see. So one Indo Hasaranga is, when it comes to limited overs cricket, has been doing, uh, doing really well. The first one there was sort of going along predicted lines. Uh, in this case, the Bangladesh bowlers, um, have, so Mehdi Hasan Viras took 4 for 30, and then Mustafizur Rahman took 3 for 34, and Mohammad Saifuddin 2 for 49. So the bowling was, let's say, very good. Yes. So in this case, the second ODI was slightly different in as much that there was a bit more fight. But Bangladesh managed to get across that magic number of 240. Again, they made 246, but they were all out with almost two hours to spare. So the Sri Lankan bowling started to come good. So in this case, Ushikur Rahim was the binding force across this entire series as far as Bangladesh was concerned. He made a wonderful 125, a really patient one yes. because he came in with a lot of trouble because two for 15. Surprisingly, Shakib Al Hassan, who was promoted to three, failed throughout the tournament. Probably this is a new role for him, something they're looking forward to in a World Cup year, right? And probably Ami Mikbal has been showing more patience than before. And we'll see how it goes, but they'll need a steady opener along with him. And the top three will have to do most of the, let's say, at least setting up of the platform. So in this case, they'll want the top three or two of the top three to last until the 20th hour or so. Then from there, you know, the rest of the middle order can build because. Mushfiqur Rahim has been holding this side together. It was visible again. And along with him, his brother-in-law, Mahmoodullah, did a great job. All three, one day, he had a nice contribution, along with 250s, right? So again, in this second ODI, him and Mushfiqur Rahim built that up because Leighton Das came and went, and there was a lot of failures again in the middle order. And that meant Bangladesh were able to put up a score that they can think of defending. I mean, that one point in time, it could have been that they could have fallen short, even short of 200 you know, after Mahmoodullah was dismissed. It was not sure what would happen, but then uh, at least Mushfiqur Rahim kept going. And then he had some decent contributions from the tail, 11 from Saifuddin, 10 from Afif Hussain. So that meant, you know, you are able to at least take the score and they nearly batted out the oars. But by now, the Sri Lankan bowlers are firing. So you have Dushmanta Chamira, who, by the way, was clocking very close to 150 throughout the one-day series. Fantastic to see. Yes. Yes. Right. So he took three in the second ODI and then Lakshan Sandakan, the wrist spinner, left arm wrist spinner, took three. Isuru Udana, surprisingly, Isuru Udana has been chosen and given the new ball, probably it's, there are a lot of injuries because for me, Suranga Lakmal or Nuan Pradeep or even Lahiru Kumara, none of these people are there here. So, but then, as I said, it's like almost like a, you know, a new attempt because they also brought in some new names. We'll see some new names in the third ODI as well. There was uh, Dasun Shanaka who was given a run here. Mm -hmm. They are also counting a little bit more on Dhananjaya de Silva to get more overs in, like an all-rounder, right? He yes. was good off-break. I dare say 
the glen maxwell of sri lankan cricket at this point in time somebody who bo- bats at 4 and 5 bowls off spin and is an explosive batter probably glen maxwell is a much bigger hitter but look i i'm i'm also wondering if five or six years down the line when both of these cricketers are nearly done with their careers we'll probably get a chance to compare and i want them both to pick it up from here because they both are at least from what i can see supreme supremely talented cricketers right yeah i mean it was it was interesting um to see the sri lankan team um containing udana as well basically a second all rounder so that's that's interesting i thought as as we go along well udana by himself didn't do too much with the bat but i mean no he didn't but i mean it's okay i think they are sort of settling things down and i think he'll get opportunities and i think he made a 21 or so in the previous first odi in the second one well he's been at least chipping in with wickets and when it came to the second one he made 18 not out so again in the second odi the sri lankan team really let themselves down because uh, because of some rain rain shortening and other things there were multiple let's say disturbances from the rain in the sri lankan innings so they had a very stiff target from 40 overs they had to make 245 that's a very you know a very tough target and really nobody nobody made any notable score there were a bunch of teens and 20s right down the order and as a result sri lanka quite comfortably lost and that that came to me a bit of a surprise because their bowling looked pretty sharp and they probably looked also good in the first odi and to sort of fold in the second odi came a bit of a surprise because again mehdi hasan miras 3 for 28 in his 10 and mustafizur rahman 3 for 16 of his 6 and shakib al hasan chipped in with two wickets as well so i mean a consummate performance from the bangladeshi bowlers this gave them their first ever victory against sri lanka in a bilateral series in any format so it's it's a very big achievement as far as bangladesh are concerned and i think we'll see more and more of this especially when bangladesh are playing at home because they are really a force to be reckoned with and slowly they'll also pick it up when they start traveling i mean you see this problem with most countries from the subcontinent we are all poor travelers i think when it comes to cricket and slowly they'll make their way they'll find their way like these days india is doing all right pakistan are doing all right i think pakistan is the one exception there probably they've been doing all right for a very long time because they had a very yes. enviable record in england and uh, other parts of the world where fast bowling was good right even in australia i think so at least when it comes to other countries in the south south asian subcontinent uh, i think we are going to pick it up bangladesh from here also when touring never forget sri lanka the only asian team to ever win a series or be it a test series in south africa oh yeah who, who could forget those two tests that kusel pare innings i mean i was lucky enough to see it live yes. and i yes. will say it will from lakshman's 281 which i actually saw live as well by a small margin but it actually beats that innings because it was in a fourth in fourth inning and good god so you are absolutely right yes and and as a 10th wicket partnership yes no less yes, it was a one wicket win yes speaking of one wicket wins uh, on twitter somebody posted highlights of uh, jimmy adams leading west indies to victory against pakistan and uh, this was in the 90s late 90s if i'm not wrong because there was still wasim akram bowling at a very young saklain mushtaq mm I mean, what stood out for me, I'm sorry to say, was the quality of umpiring. It was rather atrocious. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't want to point any fingers at any anybody, but there was one home umpire and there was one away umpire from what I saw. But it was it was still it was still quite bad. Uh, obvious decisions that were not given. And uh, look, Pakistan also didn't help themselves. There were a couple of really obvious runouts, like runouts by a length of a pitch that they missed twice. <laughs> 
but i mean <laughs> those are all by the by right but uh, i mean how yeah. cricket was played uh, even 20 years ago if we were to think if you were to look at some of the uh, test match highlights from the ni- from the late 80s and 90s uh, there are many rob linda i think this guy right he puts a lot out on um, yes youtube and on youtube some of those are i mean you are actually sometimes very surprised the lbws that are given and i think for a very long time cricket was taken at that where level where you know umpires given you out let's go i mean i'm going to bring a philosophical point here because it's mostly about how our lives have changed we are more specific we are more uh, exacting of ourselves and from those around us and with life sort of sorting itself out with those you know basic problems of humanity sort of slowly taking a back seat you are now focused on every little yes. thing you do I, i know exactly what you mean yeah yeah and and we have we 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 have the technology to 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 be more exact now mm-hmm. that's also a part of it look at this missile leg before this missiles by off spinners pre drs post drs pretty much i mean warren at least claims he would have had a thousand wickets if there were drs in his time right and obviously more would surely have had a thousand as well so i mean <laughs> but uh, i mean look at it somebody like warren also winkled a lot of wickets through sheer uh, gamesmanship right i mean let's not leave all that out but no. anyway com- coming coming to the coming to the game at hand the third one yes sri lanka got to bat first so they did the same thing that bangladesh did but in this case they were a little bit more successful because again this guy kushal parera when he plays he plays big right 120 right at the top of the order and danushka gunatilaka his partner has been sort of quietly supporting him throughout so another 39 from him and then dhananjay de silva 55 dhananjay de silva chose to hang on so again kushal mendes 22 another 20 we don't know what's going on there patum nisanka at 3 didn't work but i think that's a long term strategy it's not a tactical move i would say and then um, niroshan dikola was brought back in and so there yes. are three keepers as is required apparently in the 11 and uh, one into hasaranga a small score so 286 in the end was a very big score and again on this pitch that was always going to slow down with multiple spinners in the 11 chilankans looked in a very good position so taskin ahmed who was actually also bowling in the second odi because he came in as a substitute right so yes. in this case and then of course he took four in this because he started very very rapid and uh, he took some wickets right at the top and it looked like at some point in time uh, sri lanka might blow it off and they might just reach 220 230 but then kusal parera made sure he hung on till very nearly the 40th over himself and then uh, from that point on dhananjay de silva took over sort of slowly guided the rest of the innings i mean if that gone a bit more explosive they could have reached 300 but then on this pitch to 286 is very very big so it was very clear to see when bangladesh batted because the top order failed and then mushfiq started it off but then mosaddeq and mahmudullah built on it but then it, they were way too far they lost by nearly 100 runs i mean of the yes. they were all out with more than 7 hours to spare for sure but then all of this was thanks to dushmanta chamira who as i said grew beautifully as the series went on and look he showed once again genuine pace is a threat no matter what the sort of the pitch you're playing on he had 5 for yes. 16 yes Uh, his first five four in odis wonderful bowling one into hasaranga two wickets ramesh mendes was brought in two wickets and as i said this they're trying to experiment with new people chamika karuna karuna ratna and binura fernando so chamika is uh, something like your uh, dasun shanaka and binura is a left arm fast bowler he is 6 foot 6 apparently very tall guy 
so they are trying more people in the 11 and all of this was very nice to see i mean this is sort of in the backdrop of some comments by arvinda de silva on sri lankan cricketers grumbling about their contracts and him saying go ahead and win games because apparently a large part of their contracts are now based on incentives for winning winning mm. series winning games but also winning series so yes. i think they 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 get very very rich if they beat the top uh, three uh, ranked test teams and previously the amount that was fixed for winning a series was always the same but now it's completely incentivized so all of these are new things nice to see that you know the shlankan board is sort of walking the talk with the sort of selections that they want to show at the other other end of the spectrum bangladesh would be really happy to win a series against sri lanka for the first time and again make sure the rest of the world takes notice that when you're going to bangladesh whether you're playing tests or one day or t20s you better be very careful they are they are very strong at home right and you have this core of this core of uh, very senior pros you have shakib you have mushfiq you have mahmudullah you have you know tamim iqbal right and i think mustafizur rahman is shaping up nicely and taskin ahmed a bunch of other fast bowlers shoreful islam they are all around this group and they are now trying to build a core of youngsters lafif hussain mosaddeq hussain you have all of these guys so it's it's going to be nice also litan das so some of them if they are able to gel these guys would make a real difference right with taskin yes. ahmed they have a really fast bowler who can you know bring in the goods you have mustafizur rahman very canny and even in test yes. matches i think there would be a really really nice prospect whether you're bowling in england or on south africa versus or australia where there is a lot of sena countries as they say right lot to offer for fast bowlers now they have an attack previously that used to be a problem now they have a really really good attack as well all in all a very nice series yes it was it was really good to see to see the fizz uh in form um because he has had problems with his shoulder and after that operation he never was the same and it was really good to see him back in the wickets really really good because mm-hmm. i like him no of course he catabola catabola <laughs> <laughs> we don't have too many of those well he uses a lot of those in the death i guess but up top with the new ball i think he he is good enough he can swing the ball yes and uh, so that means you have this multifaceted bowler he's no one trick pony right that means he's always very useful uh, in any format of the game especially the shorter ones but also in the longer format so that's very nice to see and i'm always amazed at how country like sri lanka with a limited set of people that is cricketers who play at the highest level first class level always punches above their weight i mean i think at some point in time it was estimated they have about 250 to 300 players who play club cricket at the highest level and that is their first class mm-hmm. structure and yeah that's fantastic to be able to put together a team that goes out and performs as well we know they won a world cup right and they have as you say yes. won in south africa so all of this is very very nice so again this there is a fairy tale here no it's it's not like india or england where they have a huge cricket setup and they have this under 11 under nine setups that always carry forward players and that, that's why you know sri lankan players are allowed to and encouraged to embrace their uniqueness be it in the way they play the cricket or their attitude their actions whatever it might be right so all this is always very heartening to see as a cricket uh, fan and long may it continue i would say absolutely absolutely and they also won a world t20 course there you go and it was going to be a shame for that golden generation to go away without something 
Mahila Jayawardena, yes. Sangakara, and Dilshan. <laughs> so they managed to win a World Cup. That that was very nice. So all right. From that point on, let's now take a look at some of the cricket from around the world. Where yeah, we're now talking of cricketing news. So the first thing, again, Test match centric, right? So the World the Test Championship final is coming up. So you know, June 18th. We're not that far away. Yes, now, three weeks. and uh, it's a one off match five days but an extra day has been reserved so some more rules have been made clear so for whatever reason if there is a draw or if there's a tie then the trophy will be shared as it should be yes. right so the fifth day is uh, what do you call it it's a reserved day but that's not a reserved day to get a game time in if there are five full days of play if there were less than five full days of play and then any time was lost that time will be made up on the sixth day but that's about yes. it so an hour before the close of play on the last day is when the match referee or maybe a tea time you know would actually announce this so we've lost uh, 28 overs so far and we would make it up tomorrow that gives us a chance of getting a result so that's very nice two teams that are probably evenly matched and playing away from home both of them and uh, it must be said frankly probably the conditions are slightly in favor of new zealand but india are no uh, pushovers these days when they are travelling they have a very good bowling lineup and the attitude what we saw in australia i think it's been it's been talked about in multiple podcasts and in multiple yes. you know places and how the attitude right the attitude that's been instilled by this leadership group here and uh, i mean that will be a wonderful wonderful test match i can't wait for it to begin i dare say i might you know i might even take some holidays from work if possible because i would just want to sit and enjoy it i'll see how many of those are over the weekend and we'll 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 see what else can be done around those days right? yes because i would like to be tuned in so let's see how that goes there were two big tournaments this year that have been interrupted due to covid one is the psl other is the ipl so it looks like you know psl at least is set to begin next week so there are a couple of things that are up against the players one is the weather itself because it's yeah middle of the summer in in a desert so it's 40 degrees plus yes. so um, so they are they are having to train very hard they are also having to sort of resort to multiple measures to focus and retain their strength because it's the ex- the exertion is going to be very high yes right <clears throat> but at least for now they are also trying to probably you know train and get used to the conditions that's one thing and of course again i think it's also a big deal that these tournaments are completed so this is again sort of it gives us an idea of how much resilient cricket has become because we just don't give up and we say let's go elsewhere you know we can't be hosting it in pakistan or in india we take it away we take the circus on the road so i mean why i'm mentioning this is it looks like at least bcci is also planning to host remainder of the ipl in uae in a september october window well ostensibly the reason given is it's monsoon in india which is true yes, of course yeah. but is it just monsoon do you no, think no yeah. no not really and i have to say i'll take a take a slightly more cynical view of continue of of the continuation of uh, the interrupted seasons because apparently uh, the bcci uh, would have to pay 200 million pounds back in broadcasting rights if they didn't complete the season holy cows okay yes that's so that's that's a consideration and i i don't i don't think uh it it's only we need uh we need 
to complete the season because we already started it and we can't we can't have a season without the champion stuff like that i think 200 million pounds plays a part i have to admit <laughs> oh yeah that is a lot of reasons 200 million reasons but i was not aware of this that's first thing but also there is no there's no force majeure clause in such an such an agreement where you know covid is actually an act of god or whatever that is right yes yes those that are hosting it know it best yes probably <clears throat> there were some other contingency plans that were put in place so but i don't think it's it's conclusively already decided that's where it will be held and that's the window because look we are going to go perilously close to the other thing that's on the horizon right yes. from that point on the world cup world cup t20 right this is a big deal look a lot of sports from around the world the olympics was postponed the world cup was postponed last year now we are in one year down the line and we are all looking forward to this again so the question is how big is the ipl and whether if uae was the alternative chosen venue for the icc to host the world cup because you know logistically in a country like india don't know how the covid is situation is going to be of course i think a lot of vaccination is underway in india but it's a huge country and we cannot expect everybody in india to be vaccinated by that time that's not realistic yeah. so in this case there are going to be certain risks that to continue hosting the world cup in india or maybe they are going to be hosted behind closed doors then that would be a pity again right so why i'm saying this is for example the world test championship final will have 70% crowds so that and that's very nice yes so similarly a world tournament must be played in front of people if possible but then well what is the balancing act do you think bcci and icc have to come up with here i think well the problem is this if you can't host the tournament the tournament in india um regardless of of spectators or not i think the problem is um this bio bubble for a for a for an icc tournament uh it has to be massive there's so much support staff um media uh the grounds the teams all the hotels it's going to be massive and i think the question will be can we do this logistically in india or can we do it better in the uae because um of the geographical uh, for 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 geographical reasons you can you can put them out somewhere in the desert there are stadia in the desert basically you can keep all the bubble you can keep the bubble more secure in 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 a remote location and the uae is more remote than um giant cities in india big cities in india i think that would be the consideration can we do it in the uae if we can't do it in india i think that's the problem indeed the organizers face but then is that sort of positive do you think that you say first you host an ipl there that's a multi team tournament and then following that a couple of weeks of break and then the world cup right away there if it can't be hosted in india yes i think yeah it's it's i mean the icc should probably look at uh, what's what's going to happen in the psl and the and the the ipl uh, if it works so 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 as to have a benchmark um for what can be done in the uae and um and yeah to learn to learn the lessons basically what works what doesn't work in terms of biosecurity stuff like that i think mm-hmm. we might we might 
have to brace ourselves for for the uh, for the World Cup to be held in the UAE. You have a wise uh, point there, and I think that might really come to pass as well. Let's see how it goes. Yes. But it will be a huge blow for the fans uh, waiting to see some live cricket in India. No IPL. Yes, yes, of course, of course it will be. But mm-hmm. yeah, but 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 think about it. The worst thing that could happen is you have another wave uh, in the subcontinent, and you have to postpone the World Cup. That's the worst. You you start some group games, then you find out oh, our biosecurity isn't up to scratch. Everyone goes home. To be finished later. I think you can't do that with the World Cup, right? Host half in March and host yeah. half in October. That's probably yeah. not going to go. Yeah. So there. So there. So I think the ICC will will do will be very risk averse in that sense. And if it if it works in the UAE, they might be tempted to host it there just to get it done in in a single try. That's my thoughts. So let's see. Well, let's hope for the best, you know, for the Indian fans as well. But then, thinking about the bigger picture, probably wherever you host it, it has to be in a much more secure place. Whether they get the sort of help and assurance from the Indian government that makes it possible in India remains to be seen. Let's see how that goes. Right? Yes. Yes. Going further, some more good news when it comes to women's cricket. Yes. The Indian women are going to tour uh, England, and this is going to be a full-fledged tour where they are going to play. even tests so there's a one off test so they're going to kick their tour off with a one off test which is going to be a day nighter in bristol so that's fantastic and then there are going to be three odis and three t20is so a 21 strong squad has been chosen for the indian tour and uh, you know well there are a couple of surprises for example uh, rajeshwari gaikwad missing out right but shafali verma ekta bish yes. shikha pande and tania all of them coming back in well these are all nice things and you know i wanted this generation of indian women to be able to play tests so we are really hoping this is a kicking off point because in international women's cricket test match test matches were almost a thing of the past right except for maybe australia and england and maybe to an extent new zealand playing some but yes i think this is a good chance for the indian women to also play tests get to see what it is and also you know show themselves off in a you know in a good light there that's the first thing but also them touring and getting that experience will be really good because a bunch of the squad the indian women squad is very young right you have you'll have mithali raj probably but you'll have some old heads as well but you know this squad is building up and this tour will be a great learning curve they did they did play a limited over series against south africa at home and that that showed them how far behind they were when it comes to preparation and sort of game time now this is a chance to put it right get game time but also be better prepared and show a better you know give a good account of themselves maybe that's the way i would say yes i don't expect any upsets england cricket when it comes to women's cricket is far far ahead i would say the england and australia are miles ahead and it remains to be seen if they'll also come back with some very meaningful results for themselves as a group because winning is not everything we will we will really see if there are individual stars that stand up and make some name for themselves right this is also a very good thing yes and i really really hope in spite of all the cricket that is being scheduled to play in england there's a new zealand tour of england there's a world test championship there's a women's tour now and of course india are going to play test and on top of it there's a 100 so plenty plenty of cricket planned this summer 
and uh, up to leading up to autumn in england and we really hope this tour doesn't get sidelined in all the other cricket that's happening the only thing i think that has been handled a bit suboptimal is the scheduling of the test of the women's test because it collides with the world test championship final mm -hmm. that was stupid right that was stupid i yeah. think well I mean, they could have played it earlier, right? They could have finished it by 16th. Four more days earlier, if you had planned it, if the tour could have been planned that way. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. And yes. then you just finish it one day before. Then you have all the eyes of the world on you as like yes. a warm-up. That you, you probably generate more revenue and more, you know, more uh, viewership that way. But anyway, um, I don't know the people who planned this had a different goal in mind or probably there were real logistical issues when it comes to travel and quarantining, right? So we don't know. But all of this is no more than three weeks away. Again, like just three weeks is all the time we have to bite by and yes. a very, very exciting summer is coming up for us. That, you know, that leaves us with uh, one uh, small news. Harry Gurney, who has retired from all cricket at the age of 34. Um, we wish him all the best going forward with his uh, career because our second career, because it looks like, uh, you know, he had a niggling shoulder injury. He never could completely recover from it. This guy has, you know, played England, played for England for a very short amount of time in limited overs games. But then he's he's been touring, playing T20s around the world. Maybe this was the reason why his body sort of wore down a bit prematurely. But nonetheless, he's had a very successful career and we wish him all the best going forward. Now, this brings us to the trivia section of the episode. And... So the trivia question from the previous episode was, who was the last spinner before Sri Lanka's Jay Vikrama to take a 10 for one test debut? You know, I knowing your cricketing knowledge, I would be very surprised if you didn't know the answer. A 10 for one test debut? It wasn't? No, no, I don't know. It was Jason Kreza in India, all those years ago, 2008. That's the answer to the question. It doesn't come yes. very readily to many of us. I think he hardly played a bunch of tests. So, yeah, but nonetheless, that was a 12-4 on his debut. Eight and four in two innings. So, well done him and well done to Jay Vikrama, right? Because he also won the games. The trivia question for this episode is, which captain holds the record for the most number of consecutive wins at the start of his career? So, well, why this sort of kicked off is because Babar Azam has won four on a part. In his very first four tests as a skipper, he's won all four. But this is a good record. This is a great record to have. But he's nowhere near the top. So the question is, who is the captain that has the most number of successive wins right at the start of his career? So, I mean, you'll have to go a little back, um, 70, 80 years back for a name. And he's not a very mm -hmm. well-known name these days, but he was a big deal in his day. right? That's the clue I can give. And uh, let's see uh, if, uh, you know, you can tell me offline as always. Leah, probably you have a guess or two at the answer. Uh, I guess, I guess, maybe, yes. So, well, I would like to thank Leah, as always, for bringing uh, much-needed flavor, a bit of German flavor to our podcast. <laughs> you're, you're very welcome. Right. And as always, it was a pleasure hosting you, and we hope to have you again. You have, uh, yeah. you have such a nice uh, knowledge, encyclopedic knowledge of cricket, and maybe you can also put it to good use. Who knows, in the upcoming days and months, right? Yes, probably. Would you like to give out more uh, more uh, ways in which people could get in touch with you, Leah? Um, it's always it's always uh, good to follow me on Twitter, uh, at Linux 
L-E-A, Linux as the operating system. You can, you can look, you could probably look forward to something over there. That's all I'm, I'm going to say. Some tantalizing hints given. Let's see what's, what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Thanks a lot, Leah. And uh, a goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Sit back and enjoy.